Um, we've been going through uh, famous verses from the Bible for those that um, have been coming along regularly. Um, and today, I think, is probably um, the most famous verse in the whole Bible. Any, any guesses? Oh, yeah, okay. I was going to throw a curveball there and say, like, Numbers 14 and just see if anybody, anybody knew. Yeah, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And we'll come to that verse in a little while, but if you have got a Bible, John 3 is the place to be. It really help you, I think, just to be able to follow along. Uh, that's what I'm going to do, follow along in here, but it'll, it'll help you out, I'm sure. Um, imagine you spend your whole life, you know, when you're a small child, maybe even as an adult you have this, and you have a dream. This is what I want to do with my life. This is what I want to build my life around. You know, and, and uh, we've been doing it with our children. Say, so, well, what do you want to be when you're older? You know, and they say a writer or Elijah, I think, last year said he wanted to be a dinosaur. Um, and we didn't discourage that because he can be a dinosaur if he wants to be a dinosaur. Um, but when I was um, a small child, a teenager and an adult, my dream was to be a professional footballer. And um, I still kind of in the back of my mind feel like I can make it, um, I think. Um, I could probably play for Chesterfield based on their current form. I think that's okay. <laughs> and um, you know when you, you have a dream to do something, you spend all your time honing your craft. I can remember we had a back alley when I was, was growing up, and I would go out every night after school onto the back alley, and I would relentlessly kick the ball against the wall. This was for two reasons. One, I had no friends, and secondly, I wanted to train my left foot to be as good as my right so that I was bow-footed, so that I was even better. Um, and so played football, played football, played football. And I thought I was pretty good. Still had the dream of, of, of playing in terms of having trials and conversations around um, craft and skill. And like anything, if you practice, you do get better. And so I would practice, 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 practice. And then I remember one day I met a professional footballer and played a game with him. I think I've shared that before. And it was just like another level. It was almost as if before my eyes, my dream just evaporated as I knew all that I'd been building my life towards, all I'd been kind of thinking about and spending my, and literally it was all I did, um, was just gone. I knew I couldn't make it. I knew I wasn't good enough. I'd, 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 I hadn't done the right things, if you like. Maybe if there was a different track or I'd started younger or whatever, the what if game, but I wasn't good enough. And in John 3, you almost have this, this thing going on here with a guy called Nicodemus. All right, he's not a footballer, but he's a religious leader. His whole life has been geared around knowing the scriptures, understanding the scriptures, teaching the scriptures to people. And he's an upstanding citizen. He, he's a top guy. His whole life has been building towards this moment. And then he has a conversation with Jesus. And he goes, oh, well, Nicodemus doesn't. But Jesus to him is like, you've got this wrong. You've missed the point. You've built your life for something, but let me tell you, you need to be born again. That's what Jesus says to Nicodemus. You've, you, you've built your life, you've done all these good deeds, but you need to be born again. Here it is in John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees, which is a religious leader, um, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. It's as if Nicodemus goes, I've been teaching the people in synagogue every Saturday about miracles, but you're doing miracles. I've been, I've been speaking about God, but you seem to be doing things that only God could do. 
uh, can I add you into my kind of my system, Jesus? Can I just add you on and bolt you on to what I'm already doing? I'm a generous person. I'm a kind person. I'm a nice guy. I just want a little bit of Jesus added on top. I can, I can uh, full out my understanding and it will all be all right. And uh, Jesus' response, John 3.3, this is really important. I know uh, John 3.16 is the famous verse, but John 3.3 is really important in understanding John 3.16. And it says this, Truly, truly, it might say amen, amen in your version, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's Jesus' response to a guy who's built his whole life on telling people about God, who probably could recite off, off heart, by heart, the first five books of the Bible. It's pretty impressive, right? I can do Genesis 1-1. He could do the first five books of the Bible, probably. And Jesus says, hey, Nick, unless one is born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. You will not see it. Despite all that you've done there, despite all your good works, unless you're born again. And Nicodemus, you'll see here as you, as you read on in verse 4, because um, it's not language that we're kind of used to, is it, that? I mean, in everyday terminology, you're not meeting up with people saying, oh, I wish I could be born again, or you need to be born again. It's quite Christianese, if you like. Uh, and here, Nicodemus is like, I don't get it. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, thankfully, Jesus wasn't being literal. Um, having, uh, well, seen from the head end, I, I haven't gone down where the doctors are during the birth of my children. Um, but three children, and they were all sizable children, and they were like eight, nine pounds. I think that is just about acceptable, I think. I can't see Grace, so she can't tell me otherwise. I think it was pretty hard work. Um, I think, yeah. Well, I haven't experienced it for myself. Um, so I'm just going to have to take a best guess that it's pretty hard going. And yet, so Nicodemus is like, how is that possible? Jesus, you can't physically mean that I need to be born again. And of course, he doesn't mean that. What he's saying is this. Just as every single person here has been born naturally, I mean, prizes if you haven't, You've been born naturally, you are here, you have been born, you had no control out of it, you weren't here and then you were here. You need to be born supernaturally is what Jesus has to say. There has to come a moment in your life where something changes. And he says that to Nicodemus. So he says that to uh, the religious man. He says that to the spiritual man. He says that to the churchgoer. You'd be here today. You come to church every week, you pray prayers, you read your Bible, you know about Jesus, but do you know Jesus? Nicodemus should have known about him, but did he know him? That was the crux of the matter. Did he know him? Are you born again is the question he asked Nicodemus. And that's the question I'm putting to you today. Are we born supernaturally? Because we need new. I've shared this before. Uh, a while ago, I had a t-shirt, which was my favorite, and I wore it all the time. And it was brown, uh, and it was... Uh, like a, what they called, like a polo neck, that's the one, that complex, that complex thing. Uh, but it was bought in America, so it's not the kind of thing you can just pick up, you know, at TK Maxx. Um, and mysteriously, in our early days of marriage, it shrunk. I think it shrunk. I don't think I put on weight that quickly, but it shrunk. It also went pink. Because there's white stripes on it that went pink. And it just wasn't my kind of style, and it was a bit too, you know, it's a bit too tight, and you can't pull it off anymore. Well, that's what happened to the t-shirt. The t-shirt was clean. Great that it was clean, but you know what I needed? I needed new. 
We need to be clean, yes. We need to be right with God. That's why we're here, to pursue God and to know him. But we need new, don't we? If I've got my life with all its ups and downs and I just bolt Jesus onto it, what am I doing, like some kind of O2 upgrade? I need completely new, don't I? And that's what Jesus says here. You need to be new, not upgraded, not just moderately improved, but a completely new start. A line in the sand moment in terms of our life. That's what needs to happen. And the, the thought of that, for you, you might ask yourself, like, well, has that happened for me? And I'm just going to here use the text and then John 3.16 to put it before you that actually today you do need to be born again. And today is the best moment to make that decision. You need, today is the best moment to have a line in the sun and say, actually, I'm going to live for God. I'm not just going to, uh, like Nicodemus, who was religious and went to church. No, it was something that became real for him, something that can become real for you. You read later that Nicodemus has come to faith. Later on in the Gospels, you see him interacting with Jesus again, which is great. But at this point, he's arguing with Jesus. He's trying to find out. So how is it possible? Verse 7 and 8, because you might be marveling too, going, this sounds great, this born again, but I have no idea how to go about that. Verse 7 says this, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus starts talking about to be born again is to be born of the Spirit. There's something that goes on with God the Holy Spirit. And he describes God the Holy Spirit as a wind. Now, the wind is not something that we necessarily see, but we see its effects, don't we? We feel it. I can remember when I shaved my beard moderately off and I felt the wind on my face again for the first time in a couple of years. You feel the wind. You can see the effects of the wind. So too, if you're born again. And I, um, it made me think a little bit about, um, in terms of being born again, in terms of maybe we go through the motions, we're here on a Sunday and we're trying to investigate who God is, but we haven't gone all in for him. A little bit like either this. We, we encounter God the Spirit of God, like the wind, and we have a tailwind behind us. You know what I'm talking about when I talk about a tailwind? Or we fight against God. It's like us fighting against the wind. It's, I'm not much of a cyclist, as I'm sure a couple of people in this church would, um, would attest to, so much so that I deleted my Strava account because it was shameful. Um, it was just really poor. But I know this from my short time cycling to work and cycling around. I would much rather cycle with a tailwind than into the wind right? I would much rather have the wind behind me. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is a bit like a tailwind. I would much rather go through life with a tailwind, being born again, having God with me, knowing God's with me, knowing he's empowered me, knowing I've been born again, than fighting the wind. Now, just because the wind's behind us doesn't mean life's easy. Sometimes you've still got to cycle uphill, but you've got the wind behind you. But it just means, oh, okay, I've been born again here. The wind, you see its effects. So the question I think Nicodemus has, the question we might have before John 3.16, for God so loved the world is, great, I want to encounter, I want this moment where I know I've been filled with the Spirit, perhaps where I know, I know the power of God and his Holy Spirit. I've been born again. But how do I know that's happened in my life? How do I know that that's something that... I'm sat here, have I been born again? You're asking that question. And the first thing I want to say is this. 
Okay, yes, God is the one who causes us to come spiritually alive, just as we are not in control of our physical birth. Our spiritual birth is something that God does, but there is a response on us to cry out to him. So my question back to you, if you're saying, am I a Christian, am I a follower of Jesus or not, is this. Have you cried out to God? Because if you haven't, then I know the answer for you. But if you have cried out to God, if you've called out to him, if you've responded to him, that's what it means to be born again. If you think, if you've had children, I can remember this just recently. Six months ago, Judah was born. And he, he, he makes his way, he makes his entrance into the world. And I'm waiting for something. We knew he, we were having a boy this time, so we didn't have the drama of, is it a girl, is it a boy, what are we going to call him, what are we going to call her? We didn't have all that this time. Instead, we were just waiting. You know what I was waiting for? I was waiting for him to cry. I was waiting for him to make noise. I was waiting for him to call out, to say, I'm here, or help me. Of course, his cry for food, cuddles, and I've done a poo is the same thing. That's not going to be the same for you. But he cried out. He called out to say, I'm here, I need help. That's what it means for us to be born again today. That's what it need, Nicodemus needed to do. Yes, he had the scriptures. Yes, he'd seen all this stuff. And he, but he had Jesus in front of him, and he needed to say, I need you, Jesus. That is the first thing we need to do. If you want to be born again, if you want this new life, we have to cry out to God. And a part of that is you become somebody new. As I said before, you become new. It's not like an upgrade. Therefore, if you've been born again, you should be different from who you used to be. Now, it's a process. Some people, it's, it's immediate. Immediately, they can be set free from something. Or immediately, they're different. For many of us, it can be a bit of a journey with the tailwind behind us, going from A to B. But we shouldn't be the same as we used to be. We should be different. And I, um, as I said, was massive into football, and I didn't really do any reading. The most reading I would do would be teletext, 302 and 303, which would be your general football update and then your football scores. That would be the reading I would do back in the days of teletext. And yet, at 16 years old, when I put my trust in Jesus, and I felt this wind, I felt this change, I became new, all of a sudden, I started reading this book. Like, all of a sudden, this became exciting. And, and those who know me know I'm not the kind, I'm a, I'm a, I am a little bit more now, but I'm not the kind of guy who would get in from school and go, oh, I can't wait to get in, get my hot chocolate, put my slippers on, and curl up with a good book. That wasn't me. I mean, it might be now, actually. <laughs> I quite like that idea of, you know, with a fire on and, and reading a book. But all of a sudden, this came alive. All of a sudden, I had a desire to read this book. And I love what Augustine says. One of the church fathers describes the Bible. He describes the Bible as our letters from home. I love that. Our letters from home. So I'm reading this. I'm being reminded of where my home is. I'm being reminded of I'm new. I'm not who I used to be. I'm a new creation. I've got a fresh start. Second chance. We talk about that a lot, don't we? The God of the thousandth second chance to people like me, to people like you. This reminds me of that. The fact that I want to go to this, the fact that I want to read this, which is completely out of who I used to be, is a sign that there's something new going on in my life. I want to know what God has to say to me. I want to hear his voice. I want to be here on a Sunday. I want to worship God. I'm not who I used to be. We should be different, right? 
It's a little bit like this. Uh, some of you will know this. I am not very good with hot food. And I don't mean like hot as in cooked, I mean hot as in spicy. Like, cannot for the life of me handle it. There was a moment, I think in January, where I tried man killer sauce, and it did nearly kill me. Um, I was very poorly and sweating, and it was awful. And uh, as I was thinking about this talk and thinking about who I used to be, I remember a terrible experience I had when I was at school involving chili. And I think this is where my kind of hate affair with anything spicy probably started, in that nobody told me that when preparing a curry and preparing chili, I should wear gloves. Nobody told me that. It's not in the cookbook. Not even my food technology teacher did that. And so, of course, chopping the chili, you know, and carry on cooking, as you do. I don't do that now, just in case you're worried, since I cooked on Friday. And then, you know, just rubbing my eyes and rubbing my face. And then thinking in German, the next lesson, thinking, oh, I'm struggling here with Eins Weih Dry. What's going on here? Sweating bucket. <laughs> my face blowing up bright red because I'd obviously taken all the chili seeds and rubbed them all over my face. As you do. Not a good experience. And you know what that's done for me? It's meant I'm extremely cautious when it comes to chili. In fact, to the point, I'd rather find my chili in a chili flake kind of ingredients jar. So there's no danger of my face getting absolutely destroyed by the power of a chili. Now, it's the best illustration I could come up with. It's a bit like our Christian life. If I'm new, why would I want to go back to the way of living that wrecked me? Why would I want to go back to putting chili all over my face and causing pain to myself and causing hurt to myself if I've discovered a better way? Now, sometimes we mess up and we fall short, but our object has to be to go after Christ. That's a sure sign that we've been born again is we have a new purpose. We don't want to be who we used to be. Not only are we different, but I don't want to be that guy anymore. I want to be more like Jesus. That has to be our ambition, to be more like Christ. We cry out, we're not who we used to be. And this is the, the one that Jesus takes Nicodemus through, is who do you think Jesus is? This is what the whole of the Christian faith boils down to. This is why we meet on a Sunday. This is why we started the church. Who is Jesus and how are you going to respond to him? And it's a question for every single one of you to answer today. Even if you've answered it before is, what are you going to do with that information? I remember, um, you know, some churches have billboards because we don't have a building, we don't have one. I'd like to think we'd have humorous ones. Um, but there was this one in uh, just outside Anfield. Uh, and I can remember always looking at it because most of the time I see them and it goes, Jesus loves you. And I, on the inside, I just go, Ugh. But this one said, what think ye of Christ? Question mark. And every time I saw it, I thought, oh. It made me think. It made me go, oh yeah, he was a guy. He lived 2,000 years ago. I've got an idea of who that guy is. And it's what Jesus does here. If you look at 9 through 14, the verses, Jesus is basically saying to Nicodemus, hey, I'm the Christ here. You've got to look to me. 
I'm the one you need to put your trust in. You've got all these scriptures, but you're missing the point that they're about me. And verse 14 comes to like the highlight. Okay, we're just before John 3.16 now, but verse 14 says this. And it might seem a bit weird, this, but it's, this is what Jesus has to say, and it's really important. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. You think, why is Jesus talking about Moses? Why is he talking about something that you can read if you want to read about it in Numbers 21? And to summarize, um, the people were having a moan as they were wandering through the wilderness. Surprise, surprise. They were unhappy with God. They were unhappy with Moses. Okay? And um, as a result, Moses is like, oh, God, would you forgive them? You know, would you, we, we want to turn around. But uh, as justice and punishment for them, God had sent some snakes among the people. And if you were bitten by the poisonous snake, you would die. Except for one way out. Moses pleaded with God and was provided with a staff with a snake at the end. And the whole idea was if Moses was holding up this staff, if you'd been bitten by the venomous deadly, it's going to kill your snake. Probably had chili on his fangs. If you're bitten by one of those, if you just look to this staff, if you look up, if you take your eyes off yourself and you focus on another, you will be saved. And remarkably, even if they were bitten, if they put their hope in another, if they looked up, they were fine. They were healed. They were restored. They were redeemed. They were made well. And here, Jesus says, just like Moses did that, Nicodemus, the son of man, that's me, Jesus, is going to be lifted up. How was Jesus lifted up? Well, it was on another piece of wood, the cross of Christ. Those who look to the cross of Christ, those who fix their eyes on the finished, complete work of Jesus will be healed, will be made right, will be restored. I mean healed there, in a, not in a physical way necessarily, I mean that in a spiritual way. They will be made right with God. And it's foolishness, isn't it? Can you imagine back in Moses' day, why do we need to look at that stupid, why do we have to look at that snake on a stick? This seems mad. Well, the cross is foolishness, isn't it? Yet it means life for us. Jesus dies upon a cross for every single one of us. That's the understanding we come to when we get to John 3.16. Though it seems foolish, it's powerful. To be born again means to put our complete trust in Jesus Christ, in who he was, but importantly in what he's done. He dies in your place. He takes the hit for you. You put your trust in him. You have a new life. You have a fresh start. You are born again. And there's this amazing story. I was having a chat with Chris the other day, and it's amazing, actually, because um, that what you think of Christ from Matthew 22 came into my head. And uh, it's part of this story back in the 19th century. as a, a Cornish, The Cornish revival was, was taking place or was going to take place. And um, there was a guy called William Haslam who was a... He was a vicar, he was a minister, and he had a church, and he, he did his thing, but he, he cared more about, you know, whether the grass was cut outside, whether the church was looking beautiful, than whether people were encountering the living God, okay? So he was just going about his business as he does. But he knew something wasn't right, and I'm going to read you part of his story from his own words, actually, Okay? He was more concerned about the hymn books than he was about Christ. And eventually he gets a bit fed up and so he consults another vicar. He says, vicar, what's going on? Something's 
different in your life that even though I'm a vicar and leader of a church, there's something missing. What is it? And the other vicar says, well, are you born again? Are you born? He's like, what do you mean? Am I born again? Have you had a new birth? Are there rivers of living water in your life? And this actually really upset William Haslam because he was, he was prayed for and nothing happened. So he was upset and then the following week he's due to preach at church and he doesn't really want to turn up. He doesn't really want to, want to turn up on a Sunday because he's bothered by what happened the week before. And this is his recounting of what took place. He's too troubled to preach, but he comes to Matthew 22 and it says, What think ye of Christ? And he goes, okay, well, I'll just share a little bit. I'll just say a little, I'll just put it out there. As he's preaching, something was telling me, this is in his own words, all the time, you're no better than the Pharisees. You do not believe he has come to save you any more than the Pharisees did. So any more than someone like Nicodemus here. I do not remember all that I said, but I felt a wonderful light and joy coming into my soul, and I was beginning to see what the Pharisees did not. Whether it was in my words, or my manner, or my look, I know not. But all of a sudden, a local preacher who happened to be in the congregation stood up, and putting up his arm, shouted out in Cornish fashion, The parson is converted! He's converted! He's converted! And the church, where he describes it as a brawl. That would be amazing. <laughs> Let's start having brawls on Sundays. He said, there was like a brawl in the congregation. It was all kicking off. As he was preaching, as he was talking about Jesus, this vicar came to faith. That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's just remarkable. He came to faith and he said, my voice was lost in the shouts of praise, and three or four hundred people came into the church. And it was mad. And there was an outbreak of praise. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And we sang it over and over and over again. And word spread and revival boomed because he was born again. Now, I didn't have a lightning bolt experience like William Haslam. I didn't have a Boom, like light shone around and all of a sudden I knew. But I tell you this, I know I'm born again. Why? Because I put my trust in Christ. And that precedes John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Do you know that word so is really important, isn't it? It doesn't have to be there. For God loved the world would work. But it's almost as if to say, for God so loved the world. He so loved it. Do you know what the world is? And I don't mean you're thinking, oh, it's the earth, and it's a trick question. It, it, it summarizes all that's broken and all that's wrong. It summarizes you and me. Humanity. Far from God. For God so loved you. For God so loved me. What's the measure of his love that he gives his son? Now, here's the thing, right? You could be sat here and go, well, I don't know if God loves me. I can categorically tell you that God loves you because he gave his son for you. There is no greater love than the giving of the son. 
He gave his son that you might have life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. That means something, doesn't it? That means there's a decision to be made. We have to make a decision whether we are for or against the Christ, actually. I remember having a chat with someone who came to faith last year and uh, their summary of, of kind of our conversations was something to the effect of, I always thought there was a third way. I always thought there was a fence and I was firmly sat on it. But now I realize there was never a fence in the first place. We are either in or we are out. We are either for Christ. He is either the God man who died on a cross for us or he's not. And here... It's put to us, God so loved you, he gave his son, that you don't have to perish. I don't take joy, we don't enjoy talking about hell. Interestingly, Jesus talks about it more than anybody else. I don't know if you knew that. Of all the people in the Bible, it's Jesus who talks about it the most. But we don't need to perish. Because Jesus has come that we may have everlasting life. And I'll say this. When I was 16 and I decided, right, I don't want to be who I am anymore. I want to I be new. I want to be born again. I cried out to God for the first time. I mean, I'd cried out to him before, but cried out and it, you know, it was something that I knew what I was doing. That moment, my life changed. Sure, there's been ups and downs since. It's not always been perfect every single day but my life changed for the better I went God's way and I say this time and time again choosing Christ is the best decision you will ever make choosing to follow after the one who laid down his life that you might experience what life is truly about so my question for you this morning and there's no there's no third way you're either yes or no and actually we want to give the opportunity for people to respond to that as well this morning is are you born again? Because you need to know this. God loves you. God so loved the world. He loves you. He wants you in his family. Whatever we've done, however we've messed up. And you know what? It's okay because he makes you new. And he takes you on a journey. And he's your tailwind. And he'll be with you every step of the way. If we would just turn around, repent of our sin and put our trust in him. That's what it means to believe in him. That's what we've got to do, and the opportunity for that is here this morning. In fact, the opportunity to do that by taking communion together is the most beautiful thing um, that we can do. Why don't we just have a moment of prayer? Because I, I think I'd like for us to just kind of sit on that and contemplate that for a moment. For God so loved the world. Insert your name into that if you like. For God so loved me that he gave Jesus for me. that whosoever will put his trust in him, whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have life with God forever. Not only does it change your earthly life, but it changes your eternal destiny. And that can happen this morning.